trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Shelby, this is the last episode that we're going to be doing together for so long. (laughs) I know, it's so hard. It's really just tough to really face these moments, but I feel like... I mean, obviously, I've never been a parent before, so, like, I don't know how easy it is, but we'll see how I feel in the new year and if I can. And also, you know, the fact that there's no movie theaters right now probably makes it easier for me to potentially um, follow up on some content and and be in the right frame of mind for an episode. But no promises. No promises. (laughs) We'll see how Uh. it goes. I was thinking while we were like waiting to start recording, I was like, you know, obviously I'm going to miss, you know, just like the podcast or whatever. But I was like, also for this whole quarantine, it's been nice to like talk to another person for an hour and a half every week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know. So that's the other thing is I hear babies aren't that like entertaining, you know, like they can't carry a conversation easily. So I might miss human interaction, too. I mean, you really got to start working now on your mommy Instagram account. <laughs> that's the... You're right. I have to get her a handle. That's what you should be putting energy in. Yeah, yeah. Start, should I do it from her perspective, or should I write it? Like, should I write, oh, mommy dressed me up so cute today. Yeah, aren't I so precious I, in my bed? No, buzz? I hate that. I, I, I hate, absolutely hate that. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Do you follow, there's this TikTok account that's like a mom who like gives, she has the cutest little baby boy. (laughs) He's like a toddler and she like gives him the most gorgeous looking food items. And he's like, thanks, mama. And it's just like (laughs) these videos of like her giving him all of these different like plates of gorgeous Mm. food and him being like, thanks, mama. And then there, it's like he just is not the least picky eater in the world and eats all of this like very adult looking good stuff. Um, I haven't thought about TikTok for my baby. I mean, maybe that is like something I can get in on the ground level and like, you know, really get them started young and see if they can be a source of income for me. That is true. I mean, I, I'm not on the like mommy <gasps> oh blogger my side gosh. of TikTok, but you could this, try. This is what we need is a PS You're Wrong baby merch line. <laughs> <laughs> Onesies. <laughs> yeah that that woman keeps emailing us shelby there's some (laughs) merch lady and she's emailed us like four times okay i'll let her i'll see and i'm like we're not no we're not doing (laughs) merch but think of how appropriate a pisser branded like outfit would be for like a a cloth diaper or whatever yeah exactly Uh, but anyways enough about me this is your birthday episode so oh yeah that's right i forgot thank (laughs) you thank you yeah you're definitely one who just neglects to remember their own birthday it just passes on a i mean i i am obsessed with my birthday but (laughs) it's not for like another week still so i it was sort of like I knew obviously I knew that we were doing this episode and I had been very keyed in on Tom Cruise, but for somehow or another I disassociated the fact that I had <laughs> chosen him for this episode. Yeah, just a casual, <sighs> casual week on the pod, spending a couple I'm turning hours discussing 22. Tommy. It's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, keeping it young. You've really accomplished so much with such few years. I'm really proud of who you are. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. 
Yes. It may. Yes. When you really scrunch down my meager accomplishments into a very tight window, it does appear mm-hmm. that I have done something it's with like, my life. Whoa. But yeah. then when you sprinkle them out over the actual <laughs> 29 years, you're like, oh, sir, like really yeah. get it together. <laughs> also, I realized I only have I only have a year left to make it onto that uh, 30 oh under gosh, 30 list. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to happen. This year be? <laughs> what do you think could do it? Uh, I think I honestly, I think I need to survive some kind of like real natural disaster in order. <laughs> no, to that make is it. so like 2016. I, like global I warming need... is making all of us survivors of natural disasters. Right, but I need to be like in like a in like a uh, I don't even know. Like oh, I need to be the, that person who like gets my arm stuck between the logs and like has to <laughs> saw it off with. It. I feel like that's the only way I'm getting is the that notoriety. A 30 needed. under 30 list, like a 30 under 30 who survived near death experiences. Well, but otherwise I feel like you have to, there has to be more buildup. Like I'm not going to make it onto a 30 under 30 business list. If I don't even not have with a business this idea. Yet. Okay. You need your Quibi <laughs> idea. You need your Quibi's closed. Shelby. <laughs> Quibi's gone. It's but not coming there back. There was a moment there where if you designed, if you developed Quibi, and I think you would have landed on the list, you know? Right. But here's the thing. I would have to like, dis- like dis- figure out yes. what my Quibi is, sell it and get it, make all the money Manifest in time it. for time <laughs> to write the list. You're going to take a couple weeks off here for the holidays. Like just workshop something, you know? I guess. Like- Maybe my book will be a really big hit. Oh, yes. My niche marathoning book will all of a sudden (laughs) get me on the 30 under 30 list. Maybe for runners. I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe it'll turn out you're really good at promoting this podcast and like do way better than me. And I come back and there's a million subscribers and you're one of the 30 under 30 pop culture podcast oh, yes. to watch under the social <laughs> un, for the social media I mean, yeah we'll see are you giving are you giving me the I reins of social media then? it depends on my mood i maybe i'll let you do i mean i don't know what would you even it's just there's an aesthetic matt you know it's like i don't want our brand to change just because i had a baby <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay. I I did. I think I did decide though over the weekend. I was like, I'm not doing two episodes a week while Shelby's gone. Oh wow! One for myself, but also just because I feel like this motley crew of replacements that I'm gonna have <laughs> is really. gonna be on the struggle bus, and I just really need to key them in on like very, <laughs> very specific things they need to do for the episode. I can't have them being researching various news stories and watching. Right. A, I was like, no, they, they're not. They're not ready. You can't so ask that much. Of yeah. Them. yeah. So I think we nice. might go back to like the old episode format mm-hmm. from the OG days where it's like one episode they get like one news story at the beginning we talk about the thing <laughs> love it or hate it done you know like yeah. tight hour well, and to get these. some emails you know thrown in there some reviews that is true that is true we got we did not get reviews on Apple this week but we did get two very wonderful emails so okay. I will read them both okay. okay the first one is from Miles who says hi both I'm emailing this review as I have it on good authority that our UK podcast reviews are hard for you to see over in America. <laughs> I discovered P.S. You're Wrong via my mate. Oh, this is like full of British slang, which oh, I'm very cute. into. Yes. Via my mate who wrote into you from here in London, England, i.e. I'm part of the multi-level marketing scheme you mentioned um, that we have going on in <laughs> the UK. So I'm excited for that. On to the main stuff. I have some good news and bad news. Uh The bad news is that you aren't very big here in the UK (laughs) yet. (laughs) 
<laughs> but who knows what your fan base is like in maybe Slovenia? Question mark, question mark. You know, we do have oh, yeah. a big fan base in Uruguay, which I don't want to brag yes. about, but we do. <laughs> uh, the good news is that this will be your fourth UK review. So if you Here add you. that to the US ones, I might single-handedly maybe take you to the big 100. <laughs> This is sounding like Matt being the math lady meme from your yearly <laughs> rankings. Hashtag facts and figures. You're welcome either way, TBH. Wait, so have we got four UK emails or are they or we just can't see the UK reviews? But we have four of them. <laughs> like These poor losers. Um, I have no idea how I have no idea how Apple reviews work. We really are you not promoting. Are you somewhere? actively promoting us in the UK, Shelby? This yeah, is clearly I a demographic. Do, yes. Yeah. Every week I just promote one of our posts to only the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and right. like, I got to get some of these people in here. Um, no, I haven't tried that. But that's an interesting idea because clearly we're like, we're touching on something there. There's some okay, enthusiasm well, there. Well, back to the review. Just wanted to say shot which he says is thank you in South Africa. So now we're getting South African slang as well to you guys for making this, this second quarantine that much easier, a quarantine that I, by the way, sort of blame you for, for manifesting it when you replied to my friend's review saying that the UK's situation wasn't looking too great again. So thanks for that. That's my fault. I'm sorry. Keeping it real. Yeah. Matt, congratulations on the self growth you've experienced during this tough year. Shelby, congratulations on your soon to be born. Bebe, Moira Rose voice, and general congratulations on your new president, guys. Thank, <laughs> thank the F for that, at least. Appreciate the good content, laughs, and movie recommendations. I agree. A class bants from a pisser across the sea. <laughs> yes, I knew they, the UK has to appreciate that. You know, that's already slang. So, you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's happening, Matt. It's catching on. That's why I'm going to utilize my maternity leave is just creating a <laughs> pisser level <laughs> merch with the woman in our emails. I love how we've empowered people just to really send us long emails. Uh, <laughs> I I am into it. I will keep reading these. These are very yeah. entertaining for me. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Second email. Oh, okay. From Sydney. She says, hello, friends. So unfortunately, I already left an iTunes review months ago and can't leave another one. So I thought I'd write and eat right in and say hi i'm trying to come to terms with the fact that shelby will soon be gone and what that could mean for swiftish which i am now classifying as your sister podcast (laughs) stepsister let's not get too excited there I wanted to wish Shelby all the best because I know this is a very exciting yet scary time. I had my first son this April in the middle of lockdown. I know this is a very strange time to be bringing a baby into the world, but I promise it's one of the most rewarding experiences and makes 2020 all the more memorable. Just in case it wasn't (laughs) memorable enough for you already, Shelby. Okay, that's good energy. I'm going to bring that with me. I'll just remember that. It it has been worse. It could be worse, but... This is something that's not that bad, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> uh, she goes on to say, I look forward to spending more time with Matt while Shelby is away, <laughs> and I'm sure he will do a fantastic job keeping the show going. I love listening to you guys. You make my work days so much easier. As far as recommendations, maybe you guys could just do a whole episode on Wendy Williams' train wreck of a performance <laughs> on The Masked Singer. Okay? Uh, five stars, 10 out of 10, would recommend. 
Wow, I didn't know Wendy Williams was on The Masked Singer. Yeah, I think she was on the new season. She just got bopped off because she was real bad. I would believe it 100%. Nothing surprises me less. She's the perfect grade of celebrity for Masked Singer. Yeah, she's been her whole, yeah. You know what? She would be good for one of these birthday episodes because I do not understand it. (laughs) But how would we do her for a birthday? You're going to go back and watch all of her talk show episodes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can do that while I'm on maternity leave. Okay. Something to look forward to. Yeah, for to 2037 whenever I have a yeah. child. <laughs> well, that is so nice. I love getting those emails and I especially love being mentioned in them. So in my absence, if people truly miss me, they can feel free to email us at PS You're Wrong and I'll, and I'll check in for sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, here's the real tea, you guys, is that if Shelby has control of the social media <laughs> accounts and is, you know, gone for however long... Uh, mm-hmm. The only way that you're going to be able to interact with the podcast <laughs> is by either A, leaving yes. a review, or B, sending an email, because I'm in charge of that. Yeah, so. no, it's a whole strategy. So, And, cl- and people are really clearly engaged. into the emails, Shelby. They're yeah. into them, which yeah. is what I'm in charge of. So, like, I'm doing a good job. You're right. Oh, you're such a success story. Happy Aww, birthday. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Okay, uh, well, these birthday episodes always go long because we love oh, talking yeah. celebrities. We love talking movies. And so as a reminder, every birthday we pick a star and just discuss how they became the way they are, what they've been doing with their lives, why we care about them, and also breaking down basically their entire filmography. We've done Anne Hathaway, uh, Will Smith, Emma Stone, and now Tom Cruise. (laughs) Yes. My this is and we also did Leonardo DiCaprio. This is my third pick for this. Oh my gosh, you're right. This is We've been we've been on air a long time, Shelby. That we is, are getting old. Wow, I literally spaced on that. <laughs> Wait, I mean, this is tripping me up. When did we start this podcast? Nineteen ninety three. Why don't we have a hundred reviews? <laughs> <laughs> no, we do, Shelby. They're just mostly in the UK, oh, right, 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 so we right. can't yeah, see them, yeah, but they're yeah. there. Yeah, you're right. We have a big fan base there. Yeah. Well, they said not that big, but. Well, but, but getting right. bigger, getting <laughs> growing, you're burgeoning, right. if you will. Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad you chose another dude for us to discuss, Tom Cruise. But to be honest, I was surprised you chose him because I feel like he's more my brand than your brand in general. Well, okay. So here's a fun fact. I don't like Tom Cruise. Uh, so we're with <laughs> Anne Hathaway teeth, and Leo. It? Well, yes, that is part of it. But with Anne Hathaway and Leo, I was like, they're two of my favorites. So I picked them because I was... Right. I had seen lots of their movies. I really liked them. I was excited to talk about them. For whatever reason, I ended up watching a number of Tom Cruise movies like early on in the quarantine process <laughs> and was sort of like, the, he is a weird character. His movies are strange. I think he has some we- like some strange like groupings of movies mm-hmm. that would be interesting to look at. And then I sort of was going through his older filmography and realized that he had a bunch of movies. There were movies that I sort of had like wanted to see or were Oscar nominated or whatever that I hadn't seen yet. And I thought, you know what? I think this would be a good episode. So even though I don't love Tom Cruise, I picked him. And yes, I feel like you have a bunch of movies 
that are that he is in that are in your wheelhouse. So mm-hmm. you'll be excited mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. it. There's a bunch of movies that are more in my wheelhouse, so I'm excited to talk about it. There's the Scientology stuff. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. all of his many wives and girlfriends. Mm-hmm. There's his the fact that he has three front teeth instead of two. <laughs> you know, there's just so much to unpack here that I yeah. thought this would be a good episode celebrating my 17th birthday. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I have like 18 pages of notes about Tom Cruise and his many, many stories. But I am curious, like, do you remember the first Tom Cruise movie you saw? Oh, shoot. We did this the last time and I couldn't remember that either. Did we? <laughs> um, okay. I don't even me, remember doing that. I'm just let me. We, like we did something that was like, oh, no, it was the first movie that we saw in theaters. That's what we were talking oh. about. That was a different episode. <laughs> and I like was like, I have no idea. Um, okay. Let me go through this filmography really quickly. And look, you know what? <laughs> is it is is it Tropic Thunder? Oh, wow. You don't watch enough movies. (laughs) Well, that's 2008, but I'm trying to figure out, like, what I... Oh, no. I saw The Last Samurai. Oh, wow. In 2003. (laughs) So, yes, because my dad was obsessed. And honestly, looking back through the movies that he was in before that, I don't think I would have seen it. I don't think I saw any of those in theater. So I think it would have been The Last Samurai was the first Tom Cruise movie I saw. (laughs) I don't have older siblings. We've been over this. I know that's so weird, but I feel like my dad even I remember like I remember watching Mission Impossible probably too young, like with the first one that came out, which was yeah, that was nineteen ninety six. I would have yeah. been five. Well, I mean, I didn't out. go to theaters, I don't think, but I remember like a family night watching it because <laughs> I, you know, my dad loves movies. I'm the youngest of six. I'm second youngest of six, so I saw a lot of movies I probably didn't need to see at the age I saw it. <laughs> But I remember that. And then, like, probably, like, my first choice was, like, War of the Worlds. Like, I remember that in theaters. Mm-hmm. So. It is interesting looking at people's filmographies to see sort of, like, what they do and what they don't do. And it's mm-hmm. interesting to look and see that Tom Cruise has really never done any kind of children's movie at all. <laughs> and I feel Can like you most. Imagine? Well, but <laughs> I feel like most actors at some point get pulled into something or another that's more like a family-friendly affair and his are all i mean like mission impossible is probably like the most young people e of movies he does (laughs) they're like either dramas or action movies there's not like he's not like a dad in any of these he didn't get tied into any of the like you know, like Harry Potter, divergent kind of franchises to play something. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would love that. That's the thing about Tom Cruise is, I don't, I don't know. I, I've always been, I mean, not always, like who knows what I was thinking when I was a child, but I just find him so interesting because in a lot of ways, I do think he's very talented, but then in a lot of other ways, I don't think he is. <laughs> And so it is kind of weird to picture him in other roles and be like, oh, he could never. But it's not that he's typecast necessarily, because, yes, he does do a lot of these action movies now. But his early career, like he was all over the place. And so it wasn't ever like it wasn't ever like, oh, he's a one hit guy like Sylvester Stallone or something. Like He he ran the gamut of genre for a while. <laughs> he does, but I think that he has very specific things that he can do. Yeah. And and really, he only does those things. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll get into him as we go through, but there's lots of movies where he is basically playing, like, the same character in just different variations, separate of the of the action okay, hero. Sorry. The, the other thing I thought... 
The other thing I thought was interesting is that he's never done TV. He's never done any TV. He's never done like SNL on TV, you know? <laughs> Actually, I did read an article where um, Kanye wanted him to appear on a variety show um, pilot that he was pitching. And he <laughs> never did. But he like helped Kanye like write it and like create it. I had never heard of this variety show and I don't think it got picked up, but I guess maybe he's against television. We should have asked if he wanted to be on this. We could have gotten some real insight. Yeah. I don't know if he's on it. I don't know if he's ever been on a podcast. <laughs> Intriguing. <laughs> that would not show up in yeah. my notes. Um, but yeah. So I guess to, just kind of go through his like early life, which I always find interesting about celebrities. So Ooh. his real name is not Tom Cruise. It's what? Thomas Cruise Mapather the Fourth. Which is a wild name. And also his cousin is an actor, um uh, what's his name? It's something else, Map William Mapather, who's in Lost. He's like the creepy guy in, in Lost. <gasps> they sort of look alike. Like the creepy guy? Like No. He's the one in like the first season where they think he's like yes. was on the plane, but he's actually an other, and he Ethan. like tries to steal the baby. Ethan? Yes, oh my that's Tom gosh. Cruise's cousin. I can see that. Yeah, they both I look see funky, the right? Resemblance. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of them got the good looks, and the other one got the just looks like the guy with good looks. That's interesting. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, carry on about the Thomas so he's, Cruise Mafford Jr. I know the fourth. Hmm. So he was born in in uh, Syracuse, New York. His his parents were a special ed teacher and an electrical engineer. And apparently, his dad was very abusive. And then they oh. moved to Canada. And then his parents got a divorce. He attended fifteen schools in fourteen years, according to Wikipedia, oh. and graduated from high school in New Jersey. So I do I do appreciate a non um, nepotism actor. And this definitely, he moved to New York City at age 18 to try to become an actor. He was not a child star. He was not related to somebody. He was just thriving solely off good looks, which is how we used to do it in the old days. It and wasn't he did about it all with knew. three front teeth. Well, and honestly, if you if you see pictures of him in like the early movies, because I was watching The Outsiders, and and I think he had like major work done on his teeth. <laughs> at some point early on in the career because he has like a full on like gap in between the front of his teeth in that movie, which I do not think is like a special effect or something. I think that's just what was going on. And then he must've had them corrected, but still has three front teeth. So it's, it's an interesting, Hmm. the saga of the teeth is for another podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll stop mentioning it then. (laughs) But no, I mean, he had a, he had a pretty quick rise to fame. Like he doesn't have a bunch of, he doesn't have a bunch of movies. No one ever saw at the start of it i feel like there was a couple and then suddenly risky business well yeah because he's because he's in outsiders is sort of like a bit role he has a couple of other random things yeah and then the risky business comes in 1983 which i thought was a rom-com and (laughs) and the only thing i had knew about this movie was that scene where he comes in like yeah. Like in the shirt with the boxers on or whatever, he slides in the hallway, that like famous scene that they do in a million TV commercials every yeah. year. But no, no it's not a rom-com. It's a, <laughs> he's like dating a stripper and then becomes like a pimp. Yeah. Had you yeah. seen this movie before? No, I haven't, but I knew it wasn't a rom-com. <laughs> but I was blown what? away. That, yeah. Did you enjoy it? I, I mean... 
I don't know. I was so confused the whole time because I kept waiting for it to be a rom-com and then it would never be gay one. <laughs> so you just thought it was a rom-com. I mean, I guess that's the question is because most movie breakthrough movies tend to be, you know, serious auteur sort of like, oh, we must impress the people type thing. And rom-coms don't usually do that for the masses. And also, if all you knew was that singular scene, like what about it? gives you well, just vibes. it just seemed fun you know right. so i put it okay. in there with okay. like with i thought it was kind of a like uh say anything type of movie you know where he like shows up with a boom box mm-hmm. like that was the vibe i thought it was going to be like a fun <laughs> 80s or maybe even like a high school movie sort of right but the fact that it was well, it got school, right? into this like well, there was a lot of sex in it and it's, oh, yeah. like, he falls in love with a he falls in love with a, like a stripper who comes to his house and then sort of like runs a uh <laughs> like a ring of strippers iconic um but what was most interesting about this movie and sort of tom's career start is that he hated the press of it all he hated the popularity he was suddenly given he hated it and he moved to the uk to sort of avoid it like he didn't he told his publicity team for the film that he was not ready to do this and and didn't end up giving any interviews with the cast or anything he just fled because he wanted a private life. He didn't want to be the heartthrob guy. He didn't want to be part of like the brat pack of the hot new faces of Hollywood. And he just disappeared for a few years, ended up filming Legend, I think, overseas, which came oh, out in gosh. 1985. But it's interesting knowing first who he is now and also how how publicity has sort of colored his entire career and looking at how he started where he was just like so against it (laughs) can we just talk about legend very quickly which i also watched for this podcast it was one of the worst movies i've ever seen (laughs) it's a very it's one of those like 80s movies where somebody figured out that you could do like troll makeup and stuff and so it's just it's about this evil man it's a fantasy movie it's about this like Mm -hmm. evil figure or whatever who has to like kill the unicorns and the unicorns are the innocence of the world and then tom cruise and um mia sarah who's the girl from ferris bueller's day off have to sort of like protect the unicorns with this like bandy group of trolls against this evil like horned dark lord character it is so bad and like (laughs) unintelligible and the wildest thing is that the costume designer put tom cruise in like a chainmail mini dress for the entire thing so it's definitely a look i'll say that a young tom cruise you've got to love it he's just so boyish and handsome and and just looks like a merman in his gold <laughs> his gold uh armor i guess yeah is. yeah hard i'm pass. proud of you hard for pass. watching that yeah Wait, have, I mean, have you seen it no i just watched some oh. clips in preparation oh yeah no it looked bad yeah it was well i i wanted to because it had the girl from ferris bueller's day off in it and i was like i've never seen her in anything else so let me watch this it was a <laughs> mistake episode yeah yeah, next yeah. Birthday, she was only in three <laughs> movies, Ferris Bueller, Legend, and one other thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he does Legend. No one really likes it. No one saw it. But it didn't hurt him because he came right back and did Top Gun, which is probably one of his most well-known roles as Maverick, the sexy pilot, who we should have had. We should have They're seen remaking again, it but or whatever. COVID. 
I know. Not remaking it. It's a sequel. Well, okay, yes, it's a sequel. It's a sequel. It's <laughs> a sequel. Sorry. A classic. And I have seen this one. I I mean, this one is interesting because surface level it sounds like some sort of action flick, but it ends up being a little bit more drama-y. Like it's about there's a lot more characterization than I guess I expected from a movie that's basically about fighter pilots. Um mm-hmm. I didn't love it, <laughs> but I can see why it worked when it worked and why everyone loved Tom Cruise in it. Also, this is an early Meg Ryan movie, which I didn't realize. Yes. She showed up uh, out of nowhere and I was like, oh, it's Meg Ryan. <laughs> so yeah. good for her. Yeah. I mean, this is actually one of the lower ranked um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores for uh, Tom Cruise, which is interesting. Um, I don't know if a lot of that is just because no one goes back and re... I don't know how they do this, like, with old movies before Rotten Tomatoes existed. Well, I think they have to go back and just, like, look at reviews that came out at the time and just figure out if it's rotten or not. But then you're... There's so many fewer reviews then than there are now when there's a million blogs. So it's hard to really gauge on some of the older movies yeah and there was some weird energy with the girlfriend i remember that i did not enjoy but then he also like comes in in his in his uniform and like sweeps her up and you're like oh okay i get it (laughs) well maybe this is a good place to talk about this that in so many of these early movies tom cruise is playing a character who is basically oddly very good at something is very attractive and is sort of like the hot shot showboat. Cause this also takes in the, his next movie, the color of money, which is a Martin Scorsese movie. Instead of being good as a fighter pilot, he's good at playing pool. Yeah. Um, and that he's sort of like douchey full of himself, that there's a girl character who sort of has to like browbeat him a little bit, but he sort of charms her. And then in the end they fall in love. And that mm-hmm. happens in a number of these movies and it's it's a slightly disconcerting in 2020 to watch all of these women who are clearly like much more qualified, <laughs> much harder working, much smarter and really should pay no business with Tom Cruise are kind of easily wooed by the fact that he can smile and is like halfway good at whatever he does. He has a good smile. You know, you can't well, resist a Tom Cruise smile. Well, except for those three front teeth. So <laughs> they're can. all working hard though. I don't know. It works, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, no, that's definitely a vibe you get from the movie, but even so like, like this was the eighties. This was the era of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, like the broy, not broy, I guess the macho sort of, beat everything to a pulp to get what mm-hmm. you need and sort of like you were talking about this like father-esque figure and tom cruise comes in and is sort of playing more of this like hot shot son character in these movies and i think that is sort of what worked in his favor in standing out at the time because he did fill a type but it felt like a new type so it didn't feel like he was competing with the same macho bravado other actors needed to and he's really gonna lean on this because he's gonna basically (laughs) play the same character also in rain man a few good men jerry Maguire, magnolia vanilla sky and war of the worlds so (laughs) well we shall return well i mean some of those yeah sure sure but but i think what's interesting about this early career is that um he didn't want to be a trend like Tom Cruise, sort of like Will Smith, how we talked about Will Smith 
oh yeah he wanted to be a legend like he wanted to be someone bigger than just his movies and so he really was tight about his image about what he would do what he wanted to sign up for immediately after top gun paramount offered to like quintuple his salary is what they said if he'd do top guns top gun 2 immediately and he said no and immediately did something uh a little different the color of money which ended up getting him a i don't know i guess he wasn't nominated but the movie he wasn't nominated but yeah paul newman won best actor for that or best supporting actor no i think it's best actor actor. i can't remember so he wanted to work with martin scorsese on that and then Mm -hmm. he did like you said rain man which was in 98 and that again he was sort of the he was the supporting role. Hoffman won the actor, but uh, a lot of people think Tom carried the emotional sort of, you know, because he had to play this like, I don't, I don't know. It's been so long since I saw oh, well, Rain Man. Well, I just saw Rain Man. So <laughs> okay, good. basically Tom Cruise uh, is again, sort of like a hotshot douchey car salesman yes, yeah. whose father dies. And instead of leaving all the money to Tom Cruise, leaves it to Dustin Hoffman, who is... Uh, like sort of the autistic brother that Tom Cruise doesn't know he has. And so Tom Cruise decides he's going to take Dustin Hoffman across the country on sort of a road trip because Dustin Hoffman's afraid of planes in order to bring him to California, I think, and try to get custody of this money. And in the end, they sort of become friends and have like respect for each other. It's basically like Green Book, except for... (laughs) I mean, it's literally the plot of Green Book, except for it's Dustin Hoffman instead. No racism and... Well, yes, but instead it's it's someone with autism. I see, I see. So you take... You know, it's like a car trip. It's the car car trip with the people who don't like each other who then realize that they understand each other. Yeah, no, beautifully said. Um, Yeah, and this is another one that won Best Picture. Yes. um, And it came out the same year as one of Tom Cruise's horrible disasters cocktail which i did not watch but which he won a razzie for so big year I for did, tom yeah. i did not watch that either. also in this is around the time where tom cruise gets married to his first wife mimi rogers yes and mimi rogers is the one who introduces him to scientology wow what a fork in the road i know they're gonna get divorced in 1990 but this it's is where, yes, this is where the Scientology comes in. And I mean, it won't really rear its head until <laughs> like 15 years later. But this is the, mm, this is the start. The seed of it. must be planted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, and then you mentioned Born on the Fourth of July, which is the one where he was nominated for an Oscar, ended up losing it to a little old someone named Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, but he but won, he a won the Globe. Golden Globe over Daniel Day-Lewis. So yeah. it must have been a tight race. Yeah. I mean, I think it was Daniel Day-Lewis's like first um, mm-hmm. first movie. Yeah, it so. was. <laughs> tough, tough, tough fail there. But... This was a movie, again, that sort of he wanted to just work with these people. He wanted to do something off. I mean, I'm interested because it seems like I look at these old movies and, yes, there's similarities. But it seems like he was making very important choices about being taken seriously when he could have gone down a route that was much more, I just want to make money. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I think that the filmmakers 
in these early movies, like understood the type of role that he could play and his range and really like leaned into that mm-hmm. where he can sort of be someone who's charming, but sort of know it all who then goes through some kind of tragic something or another and then sort of comes out really likable at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Born on the Fourth of July is slightly different because I watched that one for this as well and that's like he goes to Vietnam he's excited to sign up to be a soldier Vietnam is terrible and then he comes (laughs) back he 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 gets his legs blown off I think and is like in a terrible hospital there then he comes back and he expects people to sort of like be like proud of his service but they're not and he realizes that the war was sort of pointless to begin with and so then eventually like becomes an alcoholic and has all of these difficulties and then eventually becomes like an anti-war protester. And so that one really does rely on him to do a lot of different things. So I think that's slightly different than some of these other movies that he's in. Mm -hmm. But like in 1992, he's in A Few Good Men. 1993, he's in The Firm. And both of those, he's like sort of a, a lawyer, you know, straight man kind of roles. So some some of his stuff is more interesting than others, but he's not like he's not like uh, like I don't know Leonardo DiCaprio or or Johnny Depp or one of these people who's right. really like doing a lot of very different things. He's sort of doing the same type of thing in different movies, but I mm-hmm. think he's smart clearly in how he picked his roles early on in his career. Yeah, I mean, I. Uh... There's just something very charming about him. And I think obviously he's self-aware of that and he's able to play these, yeah, sort of dickish characters, but you end up liking for them or rooting for them in strange ways. Um, but here in the nineties, he sort of hits this interesting celebrity <laughs> blip uh, with his relationship with Nicole Kidman. Yes. And they met in the, in the on the set of Days of Thunder, which was their first movie together that came out in 1990. I did not watch this one, but I did watch their second one, Far and Away. <laughs> How was that? I didn't watch either. Oh, well, Far and Away is like a uh it's like a it's like a romantic drama um it's about them being Irish immigrants who moved to America in the 1890s and um and they both have accents, and it's <laughs> delightful. How is how is Tom Cruise with an accent? Because I feel like that's not something he goes for very often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably good reason. This is rated like fifty percent <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. It's really? like it's not great, but it's not like trash. I think it's not one that's really considered anywhere close to his best, and um, I, it didn't do well financially. It didn't really do well at all, but it was interesting because it's like, oh my gosh, they're actually married. Look at them starring together. And there just was this interest in the um, relationship itself. And I think that was interesting too, to look at his career at that point. And again, how like resistant he was to being gossip fodder because they got married in secret and like no one really knew about it until weeks or months later and it was just like it was very quiet very hush and then of course it ended (laughs) um in I don't was it 2001 so I think they were together yeah just over a decade like 10 years and they adopted two kids during the process 
but all very quietly. And no one really knew anything about them until their divorce and until sort of this side of Tom Cruise as a member of Scientology came out and all these like rumors about that relationship happened, especially more in discussions of Nicole Kidman because of her lack of a relationship with these adopted children. And there's this implication that I don't know has ever been proven or can be proven that a lot of that was tied to Tom Cruise's relationship with Scientology and manipulating the children against her or kind of bullying her out of that relationship. And so, yeah, it's sort of like looking back this tragic, sour relationship that neither of them ever ever really acknowledge like there's no gossip that's easy to find on them from either of them specifically and that just kind of adds to the intrigue I think like it still comes up for Nicole Kidman like even though she's moved on she has kids with Keith Urban like all this stuff it has just like shadowed both of them just this weird blip and I think part of that is because it was public in the sense that they did work together on multiple movies well it's it's weird for me because I, I'm not fully able to gauge, like, was Nicole Kidman ever involved in Scientology? Was right. Because if Tom Cruise got hooked into it from his first wife, then presumably in this 10 years that he's with Nicole Kidman, he is continuing to either <laughs> get into Scientology more or continue to practice it. So I wonder, like, is this something that Nicole Kidman was involved in at some point? Or she was always kind of like, yeah, no, that's not for me. And then eventually <laughs> it just took its toll as, as Tom Cruise got more into it or kind of what the situation with that is. I know it's very interesting. I feel like Nicole Kidman has done a very good job of being tight lipped about the whole thing. And I, that's the thing about most celebrities in Scientology is they don't brag about it. They don't talk about it. They're very hush hush. And so Tom Cruise is sort of the only one who's gone out and proud about Scientology and so that makes everyone in Hollywood like I just don't know who's actually a Scientologist unless they turn something crazy around like Will Smith or (laughs) or Tom Cruise I I mean I think the thing with Tom Cruise is that he I think at some point Scientology must have needed like money because they have him in various like ads and things (laughs) or or kind of uh, supporting different campaigns and I think because he was so famous at a certain point, Scientology was like, hey, maybe we can use this in our favor to try to either like get more people or get more money or whatever. And I think that that sort of backfired. And then <laughs> in the back in like around 2010, he definitely quiets down a lot about the Scientology and the Scientologists are using him less well in a big way i mean he he said that they cured his dyslexia like i think he really does he's a believer like he is a passionate man about it but what's interesting about his career and sort of this yeah he has these gaps where he doesn't ever address it where he doesn't really talk about his personal life and it really comes down to his pr team like he had he had one of the best um, publicists. Um, oh, yeah. I read this, too. And then she left. And then he got his sister as a publicist for a while. And well, then he fired that's her. Not, and- yeah, no. It was and Pat Kingsley, who's, who was a huge, a huge publicist at the time. And they had this relationship where she was a master at, like, keeping the press from asking him certain questions and refusing interviews if they ever crossed a line and at the time you know this was before the internet like before 
gossip magazines went like more viral centric. And so there was a lot more control on the publicist's end where she could kind of make the Mm -hmm. rules and they just had to deal with it. And so I think looking at his career, because around this time, even in his divorce with Nicole Kidman, there just wasn't this fervor of gossip around it, of who who did what, like what's the reason. He was able to maintain a very like serious artist persona as he went on to make some of these big peak films like um, Mission Impossible, Interview with a Vampire, Jerry Maguire. Like there was none of this shadowing him yet at this point, even though as it became clear through like the going clear documentary in the book that he was very involved with Scientology still. Yeah. Cause this is a big period for oh, yeah. Tom Cruise. Like this is where his big movies come because yeah, he has a few good men in the firm, which are both like monetary successes. Then interview with the vampire is a weird fucking movie, <laughs> which I don't even know where to begin with that. It's like what him and, and Brad Pitt, like sort of making out with each other while sucking each other's blood. Strange. But uh, also Dakota Fanning. Or no, not Dakota Fanning. No, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst as, yeah. as a vampire child. Antonio yes. Banderas is in it. We're, it's <laughs> the such costumes, a weird movie. the hair. It's iconic, Matt. Like, it's like, there's it something is. delicious about it. <laughs> it was the weirdest movie, though. I mean, that which, yes, that and Legend, honestly, could be like back to <laughs> as a double feature of just weird Tom Cruise movies. But then in 1996, Wait, but did we did you get, watch it? Did you watch it earlier for this podcast? Interview with the Vampire? I watched it for this podcast. So what did you think? I mean, it was just weird. Like, I didn't didn't love it. I didn't necessarily hate it. It was such a strange movie to watch. You know, it's interesting. Vampires living in modern day, but it's it's like the precursor to Twilight, and it's like, but it's like real. Are you a stan? I'm not a stan, but I I admire. I admire what they pulled off, and I think, you know, some of that campiness is looked down on now. But at the time, it's like, wow, what a what a trail. Oh, it's very campy, (laughs) and I do love a campy film, so I was appreciating those elements. Tom Cruise is wild. It's based on a novel, and. At the time, the novelist, Anne Rice, was, like, so against Cruz being cast. Like, she was so furious about it. But then when she saw the movie, she loved it so much that she took out a two-page ad in a magazine to praise his performance specifically and apologize for any doubt she had in him. Like, talk about a stan, you know? Like, that's (laughs) hardcore. When are you going to take out a two-page ad in a magazine to apologize (laughs) for me, Shelby, for not liking Hubie Halloween? Yeah, well, we'll see if I ever come around on that. But it was a success for him, but it was a weird choice. But it was, like... It was. It's fun to see him do something different, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, yes, yes, yeah. No, it's not that interview with the vampire is truly a, an outlier <laughs> in his filmography. When there's so yes. many movies that are similar, interview with the vampire is very strange and very different. Yeah. Um. Do you want to talk about Mission Impossible now, or would you like to talk about it at one of the later five dates we'll be hitting it on the timeline? <laughs> well, I mean, this was an important moment. I think this was the first movie he helped produce, and he wanted yes. to make sure he avoided it being a pure action film. Like, it like it could have been very much like what Mission Impossible turned into, but it's it, this first one was very much like a spy sort of thriller and um he helped produce it he wanted to make sure that they had sort of a different 
director like instead of someone who's known for the blockbusters he hired brian de palma who does much more like hmm, highbrow like artiste stuff Mm -hmm. and so this movie was a big success and like my like i said my dad loved it like i think it it spoke to a lot of different crowds because there was just a it was doing a lot of interesting things for for a movie of its of its time you know you have to respect it did you ever watch it uh no i, I just only <laughs> i i did look i didn't watch it in 1996 when it came out <laughs> because i was a child my dad doesn't really like tom cruise so we never watched it in the house right I, but you're doing an episode on tom cruise that's right, like but, one of his pivotal movies but there is six Mission Impossible movies, so and I've seen two of one. them, and I didn't like the two that I saw. But so the I was first like, "One is so different." You're just, but you're when, just missing out. When I have limited time, and it's like, should I watch Mission Impossible or Interview with the Vampire? I <laughs> went with Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, but you also watched like The Firm and Rain Man. Well, and- I watched The Firm <laughs> like six months ago because I do love okay. a John Grisham movie. Okay. So, well, anyways, to people listening, I think. You obviously, I have love for the new Mission Impossibles, and they managed to be great action films. But the original Debatable. Mission Impossible is very, very interesting to watch, not only to compare the franchise, but also to just see this like early old school spy movie. But whatever, you didn't uh, see it. So, did you watch uh, Jerry Maguire? Because it came out the same year. I did watch Jerry Maguire, and I really yeah. loved Jerry <laughs> Maguire. I thought this was a, an actual good movie and an actual good performance from Tom Cruise. Like, I think. If you were going to give an Oscar to Tom Cruise, I think it should be for Jerry Maguire. I think this is his best performance. I think that he he was nominated for it. And I don't it's it's a weird movie cuz he plays sort of this like sports talent mm-hmm. agent who is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s agent. Also uh Regina King is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s wife, which is an interesting like very early role for her. Uh, so I don't know. I really like this. I thought this was interesting. It, it's, it has the like iconic, it has a number of like very quotable lines in it from the, like, show me the money to, um, you complete me. <laughs> Shut up. It, Shut I, up. it just, it just worked. I liked yeah. it. Do you not like Jerry <laughs> Maguire? Um, no, I mean, I watched it. I, I find these sort of stories kind of annoying, you know, it's very bro-y and it I is didn't very feel bro-y. like it gave me anything. And the, the love story itself was very blah to me. And I'm also not a Renee Zellweger. Is that who it is in this? Yes. Yeah. It's Renee Zellweger. Yeah. yeah. She's not my favorite. Either, but. And so I was like, okay, whatever. It's fine. But he does do a good job in it. And actually... This has one of my favorite Tom Cruise stories about it because I think this came out years later, probably during his Tom Cruise's like um, comeback campaign where people okay. started telling nice stories about Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. But the director said that they had a child cast originally and he was on set for a few weeks like filming, but eventually it just didn't work out and they fired him and uh, they brought in the kid who ended up starring in the movie. But... The mom, months after the movie was done, reached out to the director and was like, can you just thank Tom Cruise for keeping in touch with my son? And he was like, whoa, I had no idea you were doing it. And he asked Tom Cruise, like, why are you just like sending this kid like letters of encouragement and like gifts from the movie set? And he's like, 
Tom supposedly said that he didn't want this first time actor to go to the movies and watch this movie he could have been in and think he was a big failure. But instead, he just wanted him to love movies his entire life. So he wanted to make sure he could add to this, like to make it a positive experience, even though it didn't pan out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is such a nice story. (laughs) And that child now is Ansel Elgar. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, I actually didn't look uh, up who it was. That could have been interesting. I don't know if it was revealed. Jonathan Lipnicki is very cute in this movie, though. Yes, I will yeah. say that. All very of his scenes are, are fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then we get Eyes Wide Shut in 1999, which is the finale of the Nicole Kidman, <laughs> Tom Cruise trifecta, which also, I watched this, and this is the horniest, oh, most yeah. I, sexual film I have ever seen. I've it's like a sex cult movie. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is wild. It is wild. And it's also very strange because, um, oh, who is the director of this? I can't remember. Anyways, he he was like, I'm not filming a movie outside of England, but he wanted to set this in New York. So they basically built a whole like version of New York in uh, England, which at first when I was watching it, I was sort of like, Oh, th- yeah, this looks like New York. And then as the movie progresses, you can really clearly see that it's a soundstage that they're just like moving around. <laughs> like you're getting the same building like 10 different times. So that was a whole nother weird section mm. of this, aside from the very extended sex scenes. <laughs> yeah, this movie was like my mom and my parents made sure that I never, ever, ever considered it. They just, they just put the fear of God into me about this movie and I've never gone back to revisit it. So. I will say this for Nicole Kidman. She does not care at all if she has to do nudity in any of her projects. (laughs) Like anybody is like, yeah, you might have to do nudity. She's like, fine. No big deal. Don't care. Don't care at all. Yeah. I mean, the next Tom Cruise movie Rob loved and I absolutely hated, but that's because I'm not a Paul Thomas Anderson fan. And it was Magnolia. Did you watch this? Oh, yes. I was going to say this is my favorite movie that I watched for this. I loved it so much. It's one of those sort of like ensemble stories Mm -hmm. where there's all these different plots with all these different actors. And Tom Cruise plays a terrible scum of the earth human who is like a pro masculinity uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) public speaker who's telling women how to like or men how to seduce women and like have their way with them and how not to care at all and how like women are weak creatures he's (laughs) he's a disaster but tom cruise does i think a very good job acting as this person it's it's sort of like the worst part of his character in other movies ratcheted up to 11 (laughs) and he did get a best actor nomination for this although again he lost so yeah yeah congrats to him congrats to the team pta way to go did you not like which part did you not like like all of the plots or were there certain things that you didn't like like what was it that you didn't like about this movie because i thought it was really clever sort of i honestly don't remember much of it except just being infuriated but to be fair i just am biased against the pretentiousness of paul thomas anderson and um i find all of his choices annoying but i did like rob made me watch um there will be blood which i Mm -hmm. loathed and then immediately was like well i've never seen magnolia so let's watch that and i was like 
I probably checked out halfway through. So that's interesting. Because <laughs> I well, I saw um, the Phantom Thread first. That was my first yes. Paul Thomas Anderson movie, and was like, this is terrible. Like I did so just like in its own head but then but then i went back and watched there will be blood at the beginning of this quarantine and sort of really liked it Mm. in a number of ways but i felt like magnolia which i think is paul thomas anderson's first movie or if it's not his first movie it's one of his earlier movies is much less into itself than his later movies are but But i guess if you watched it like Back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay. (laughs) So then we have Mission Impossible 2 in 2000. In 2001, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman file for divorce. This is also when. So Tom Cruise files for divorce against Nicole Kidman while Nicole Kidman is pregnant but she doesn't know she's pregnant. And then she has a miscarriage. And so there was all of this stuff uh, surrounding the tabloids about like Mm. how. Tom Cruise like left his pregnant wife for Penelope Cruz, who he had met while filming Vanilla Sky, mm-hmm, which is the next mm-hmm. movie he makes, and how uh, like poor Nicole Kidman, like jilted, so stressed, loses oh, the baby. But one of the most iconic images of all time is Nicole Kidman walking out into the sunshine after signing divorce papers, just yes. grinning ear to ear and yes. arms flung open to receive God's goodness, like. I think that just spoke to women everywhere and really was probably uh, people's first question of, is Tom Cruise all that likable? You know, if someone's this happy to be rid of him. Well, I didn't, I have seen that image hundreds of times because it's a meme that people use all the time on Twitter. (laughs) And I didn't realize until doing research for this podcast (laughs) that that comes from him from the divorce papers. I just assumed it was from like a movie or something or a photo shoot or whatever, but no. It's no, real life. she was she was free at last, free at last, and was very happy about it. Um, and this is sort of when you do start to hear these rumors about Tom Cruise and Scientology, um, his relationship with Penelope Cruz, while short-lived, was sort of like there were whispers that it was assigned by Scientologists to like get them together and have them be together. <laughs> All very strange. I would also like to mark this as what I think is like a point of demarcation in his career, mm. where up until this point, yes, he has had some some action-ish movies, but mostly he's been just in oh, kind yeah. of straight dramas of yes. some variety or another. And after this point, I feel like with very few exceptions, he sticks with two genres of movies, mm. which are one just a straight up action film and two very, very weird (laughs) sci-fi, which he will get into multiple times. But Vanilla Sky in 2001 and the Minority Report in 2002 kick off the weird sci-fi trend. And I found both of these movies like... (sighs) I didn't realize Vanilla Sky was sci-fi. I guess I've never, I've never watched that one. I thought it was just a romance. Oh my gosh, Shelby. Oh my (laughs) word. No, this movie is terrible it's like it's one of those sort of like i'm going to put my consciousness into another consciousness did i lose my brain oh my like so many weird like <laughs> memories it has it sounds to do like with your dream honestly. okay let me think about this it has to do with like when you die you can put your like your person into like a robot's body who or like a a 
version mm. of your subconscious. It's one of oh, those like kind of movies. Early. Yes. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. It is 100% that type of thing and not done well. I think most people hated this movie uh, when it came out. Also, also, there's a number of movies where Tom Cruise has like weird facial disfiguring, and mm. this is one of them as well. So sure it's just bad. Just and the Minority Report is like the is the Steven Spielberg movie. Where <laughs> oh, I've seen Minority Report. Tom Cruise Report. can 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 see the crime before it happens. <laughs> yeah. So another weird sci-fi thing. Did you watch this one? Yeah, I did. Now or or when it? Or yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. This summer. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, this was a. I mean, this was a big deal, and people. I mean, I think people judge it now, but at the time, it did fairly well. I think it has like ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it earned back all its money and more, and like people liked it. It was clever. It was interesting. It was at the tail end of Steven Spielberg's like genius you know like it was is starting to like pilfer a little bit for him and um <laughs> i think it was uh an interesting idea that was kind of fun to watch even though even still today i don't understand the science of it but something about it, it really, it, yeah it like it really makes very little sense yeah. i yeah i did not think but i was haunted forever by those little spider nanotech um eyeball oh yes oh mm-hmm. gross there was a lot of things with eyeballs in that, wasn't there? Like, didn't someone give him like an eyeball? Yeah. Bag? Yes. 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 Oh. He had. Well, I think he has to have his like eye eyes removed oh, and yeah. then put back in or something like that because they track you or something. They track you through your eyes. Mm, yeah. yeah. Also, that's that was right in the middle of that period where everything sort of had that weird like glossy, yes. dirty <laughs> lens flare to it, Love and. It. You can tell just from any shot in the entire movie that this was made in 2002. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Last Samurai, 2003. Um, and this is a titular role for the white Tom Cruise. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, have you not seen The Last Samurai, Shelby? <laughs> no. Well, let me enlighten you because I think I've seen it probably 45 <laughs> times. It's one of my dad's favorite films. And the the samurai are being extinct because the like Japanese <laughs> Imperial extinct. Army has has guns and so they're killing off the samurai who, mm. you know, fight with their swords and have nobility. And Tom Cruise somehow or another becomes infatuated with the samurai sort of culture, mm. even though he's British, and goes to sort of make a last stand with the remaining samurai Good against the him. evil imperial British and Japanese people. So yes, it's very white savory, but also not white savory because they all die. Oh, spoiler alert. For a movie that came out in 2003 <laughs> and it's not great. Okay. Well, happy to hear it. Um, uh, this is sort of the era when thing. well, I guess he does collateral in 2004. I've never seen this. I don't yeah. know what that movie is. We'll skip over it because frankly, this is when things get interesting and this is a downhill start for Tom Cruise. And it's really, um, like I said, he had this great publicist for 15 years who was just great brilliant at keeping him out of the press keeping him quiet about Scientology avoiding all talk of Scientology and his relationships but suddenly in 2004 as he's promoting collateral he wants to talk more about Scientology because it means so much to him and she's like you cannot do this for your next film 
which is the 2005 War, War of, of the Worlds. Worlds. And he's like, fine, you're fired. And he fires this longtime publicist, hires his sister, who is also a Scientologist, and just goes on this rip-roaring, like, no-holds-barred, pro-Scientology campaign. And that is basically just the start of his fall from grace in the public eye. And um, it's just some truly iconic moments. Well, the first stop on the train is when uh, Brooke Shields did some kind of interview or another talking about how she took an antidepressant Mm -hmm. for postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. Mm -hmm. And then Tom Cruise came out of nowhere to criticize and say psychiatry should be outlawed and that Brooke Shields should be ashamed of herself, that like you don't need mental health things, you just need Scientology. He got in a heated debate with one Matt Lauer Mm -hmm, on the Today Show mm -hmm. about this, which, you know, that hasn't really aged well. (laughs) And this, and it was part of this debate that also caused a riff with Steven Spielberg, who he'd made a couple of movies with, because apparently, this is a piece of information that I did not know before, but I guess Steven Spielberg was talking to Tom Cruise and mentioned some friend of his who was a psychologist. And then like a week later, all of these Scientologists were out picketing this friend's (laughs) office. And so Steven Spielberg was like, yeah, Tom Cruise like tipped off these Scientologists to my friend who's a psychiatrist. So like now I'm not (laughs) like we're not making any more movies here. Yeah, no, it was. And it was interesting just the timing of it all, because this is 2005. This is right when celebrity culture as we know it was starting to happen like obviously we've always had um you know magazines gossip rags like all that but suddenly it was moving online it was coming up much faster and you suddenly had the dawning of youtube which this is all like wrapped up in his relationship with katie holmes which started in 2005 and this was like the first real like you know Perez Hilton named them Tomcat and suddenly it's like everyone's wondering when they're being where they're being watched they call the paparazzi to get photos of them making out like it's a very high profile relationship and (laughs) it is just I mean this is a huge moment that leads to the Oprah couch moment where we all sort of like this is the first viral video like I didn't realize that YouTube was created like literally four weeks before this Oprah couch moment in May of 2005. And there was just so much that had to happen for this perfect storm of madness around Tom Cruise, his wild personality, his Scientology and his new love for um, Katie Holmes. It came kind of out of nowhere, but well, and like I thought, thinking back on this, like doing the research for this episode, I thought previously that if you asked me how long, like the Tom Cruise, Katie Holmes thing, you know, was in the works for, I would have said, you know, I don't know, like a few years or whatever, but they met in April. And then the, the Oprah thing is that like May slash June. And then in October they announced that they're pregnant. And then the next year they have their like weird secret, secret marriage ceremony after Surrey is born. So it's like, that was all very, very quickly. Oh yeah. Especially coming right off of his relationship with Penelope Cruz, which lasted for a while. Yes. And he, at this time, couldn't shake these Scientology rumors that it was a sort of arranged relationship. Yes. Uh, Which in itself is just a mesmerizing idea of like why and how and to what end. But 
this Oprah moment, do you remember that? Like as, you know, a child, like, do you remember this moment? I, I don't, I mean, I didn't watch Oprah, so I don't think I remember like watching the clip. Also, we had dial up internet, but, uh, <laughs> But I remember it like in the ether. I remember seeing pictures of him on the couch. Yes. I actually watched the clip, I think probably for the first time uh, while we were researching this, <laughs> like to see what it actually was like. It's very interesting because he's on Oprah for a full like hour yes. talking about the war of the Worlds, which he's promoting various other things. And then also about Katie Holmes and he's like on the ground and running around and oh, on the yeah. couch. And Oprah's like, I've never seen you like this, Tom. <laughs> and he's like, I'm different now. Katie, I love her so yeah. much. It's pretty interesting. And that itself, it's like, this is, that's what the crossroads of like YouTube and this moment are so mesmerizing to me because in in so many ways, it was kind of a manipulated video that went viral. And there's that like Tom Cruise kills Oprah type of edit mm-hmm. where it looks like she's he's strangling her and it's like, LOL, so funny. And then we all remember this like, I love her. I love her as he's jumping up and down on the couch. But that's not actually what happens. And we've all just kind of collectively rewritten that. And it was sort of the first viral like <laughs> fake news adjacent stories of our of our time. But yeah, like you said, in actuality, it was this, I mean, Oprah was famous for hyping up her crowds and it was always a huge studio audience that was filled with fans of whoever guests would be on. So at this point, Tom Cruise is a huge star. Everyone in the audience is like going wild for him. And he was just playing to the crowd. Like, that's what you do. You know, you, you play to your audience and when he would like stand up and wave, they would all just shriek. So he did it more not understanding how, you know, videos and clips like that could now last forever and be fodder for these new celebrity websites that existed. And so it was just this mad, wild moment in our pop culture time where it just became a way bigger deal than I think anyone could have anticipated it would be. And obviously part of that is because Cruz himself is just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at this point i was shocked how long the interview lasted because i feel like in today's culture where everything is going to youtube whenever a celebrity is on a show they get maybe like 10 15 mm-hmm. minutes tops because they know that's the longest that the video yeah. you know that they want the video for youtube so it's crazy that how long the interview was yeah. but also around this time this is when tom cruise had this long a 14 year old deal with paramount that broke mm-hmm. that that they broke off because Tom Cruise had these like controversial opinions about psychology. He sold his, the production company that he had been working under to another company. And then his like co-producer stepped down. So there was just like a lot of turmoil around his life. And I think with every, everything that happened, whether or not it was him or his reputation or somebody else or a completely different reason. Everyone just assumed that it had to be because of Scientology. Like they're making him break up with this person. They're making him quit this company. They're making him be in this movie. They're making him do this. And then they also went back and sort of put that onto other things. There was a quote from his first wife about how like Tom Cruise wasn't 
like super intimate with her, I guess, or he mm-hmm. fe- she felt like there was a barrier between them. So then there was this rumor going around that Tom Cruise was actually gay and that the Scientologists didn't want that to come out. So they were like forcing him to marry different people. Mm-hmm. They were like procuring these women who would then go on dates with him, but he didn't really want to. Just so many weird, and that's why they adopted the kids with Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. and that they didn't have their own kids. Just like so many weird things and i think came out the book and the documentary there was that leaked footage from a scientology sort of i don't know promotional campaign where he was talking about his love for scientology and they it was very weird and scientology came out and was like this has been doctored and there's a big suit for youtube to take it down and It was all very messy. But what's most interesting to me is that that was like the era where it's like, oh, Tom Cruise is, you know, we didn't call it this at the time, but he's canceled. It's like his career has been ruined. Like he's such a bust. But even in the midst of this, he is still making very successful movies that even if not critically acclaimed, they all made their money back. Like he never had a box office bomb until The Mummy in 2017. And so even at his like lowest point, he was still a bankable star. But because of this like news around him, people didn't want anything to do with him. And he's there was somehow this like idea that, oh, he's like, he's bad for business, even though arguably <laughs> he was making some of his most financially successful films. Well, but I mean, so like Mission Impossible 3 comes out in 2006, which presumably is like already done and in the can really before all of this reaches its like peak, peak, Mm -hmm. peak. And then and then you then he's in Lions and Lambs, which is like a weird political thing that did poorly. He's in Tropic Thunder, but he only has like a really brief role in it. He's in Valkyrie and Night and Day, which are both movies that I think are are fine but in com- if you compare them to like the earlier versions of these types right. of things that he did in his career they're obviously less successful than that I feel like it's really not until 2011 when Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol comes out which is like a full five years after all of the all of the Katie Holmes things mm-hmm. that it sort of like kind of starts to make a turn yeah, no, what was interesting is, I mean, there are some of my favorite, <laughs> I mean, most watchable, yeah, uh, Tom Cruise movies. Obviously, we've talked about our love for Edge of Tomorrow, which came out, comes out in 2014, mm-hmm. and people were surprised by how likable he was in it, how good of a movie it was, because it seems sort of like a dumb idea where it's like this man is forced to repeat every day as he tries to fight off this battle with aliens. Um, but honestly, such a good movie, and I just always want to rewatch it, and I always forget about it. But what I loved reading about as I prepared for this was sort of this identity around his comeback, which was really around 2015 during his promotional cycle for Rogue Nation, the fourth Mission Impossible. And there were just all these articles that were like, like Vulture wrote, it's time to start liking Tom Cruise again. GQ had a piece called The Return of the Cool Tom Cruise. New Yorker was like, oh, he's the good kind of crazy. And there were just all these articles that were like, is it cool to like Tom Cruise again? And BuzzFeed even was like, can any of those who've known us the last 10 years, like the greatest star on earth, shake these last 10 years? And there was just this resurgence around saving him from <laughs> Like remembering Tom Cruise was cool, which is interesting because, again, he unlike some of these stars who do have gaps, 
he had been making movies the whole time and like done well enough and so it's weird that there's still this like energy of a of a of a resurgence of a comeback for this guy who had gone absolutely nowhere (laughs) but i think he went from being like everywhere everywhere and being like the face of hollywood to these other to these movies that like night and day and valkyrie and rock of ages his uh the weird like rock broadway show musical uh they did not have the same like cultural cachet as some of his earlier movies did and then the span of and then he gets divorced from katie holmes in 2012 and so i just feel like i don't know in the late 2000s early 2010s it's like he's doing things but he's less around he's less visible he's less like movie star-ish and then he has this string of Jack Reacher, Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, Rogue Nation, mm-hmm. which I think are all good movies in sort of like weird smaller ways yeah. that are like building on each other. So I can see how when you get to Rogue Nation, you're like, oh, the last couple of movies I saw Tom Cruise in were sort of <laughs> weird, but he was actually good in them. So maybe now it's time for like him to come back. But then he does a second Jack Reacher, which is bad. The Mummy, which is bad. And American <laughs> Made, which also doesn't do very well. So I feel like now he's sort of back at whatever. But like- what he has figured out is how to sell himself. Because now you have all these fun stories coming out about working with him. Him doing his own stunts. And and like how much he loves what he does. And there's like, yeah. Because there was that gap when he was married to Katie Holmes and then got divorced. Where he was very quiet. He kept very low profile. But suddenly, now, everyone has a Tom Cruise story. You you can watch almost any of these promotional cycles and you'll just get these wild stories about, like, crazy nights out, weird gifts that he sends, party gifts. Like, he still sends birthday cakes to um, uh, Interview with the Vampire, Kristen Dunst. And, like, it's, like, all this energy has been channeled into making sure people like Tom Cruise again and whether or not that is his doing if people just remembered he's nice or if uh, the more nefarious rumor is Scientology pulling all these strings to try and make him bankable again. My question is for such a huge chunk of Tom Cruise's career, he was in all of these dramas. Yeah. And then he really has stopped and does not do this anymore. He only does these like heavy stunt movies and then a couple of these weird sci-fi things. (laughs) Like, do you think that's because like, do you think he just doesn't want to do these dramas anymore? Like, he just has no interest in them? That he just likes doing the stunt stuff? Like, because he d- in his early career, he's doing a lot of, like, acting. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like he's doing less of that. And I just wonder if that is a choice that he made or a choice that somebody else made or, or like, what the, what the situation is there. Because it feels know. like a really... It feels like a big swing for me from like one type of movie to a very different type of movie. I mean, he did do American Made, which was actually a pretty fun movie. It's sort of like a drama comedy about drug runner. I, it was pretty like who worked for the CIA. It mm-hmm. was pretty good. I don't I don't think you watched it, but it surprised no. me how much I liked it. It came out in 2017. And I think that was one where people were like, oh, is Tom Cruise going to make like good, you know, like highbrow movies again. But yeah, it's not something he seems interested in. And I feel like it comes back to this idea where 
Tom Cruise, like, yes, I, I would argue he's a talented actor. Like, I don't think you can do his career without being talented in some ways. And whether mm-hmm. or not that means he's like a niche actor, like whatever. But he does have this energy where he needs his charisma to have something to feed off of. And I think yes. it'd be harder for him to do like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie now. Like, like imagining him in like a Daniel Day Lewis role is impossible because it doesn't allow him to bring that like frenetic energy and sort of that playful bravado that he has in all of his other roles and so I think it's just limiting his opportunities in some of the more prestigious films we get these days because so many of them are like dark serious we don't really have the political thriller anymore we don't really have like the I don't know that sort of smarmy like the rain man style like emotive Mm -hmm. thing and I don't think he could pull off something darker than (laughs) like interview with a vampire you know also i guess like the sort of roguish charm of a 27 year old is very different than that of a 60 year old so i am trying to think of like his contemporaries and what type of movies they like they are doing well and i feel like like is is Tom Cruise going to be good at playing like a dad role? Right. I don't know because he's he doesn't really do that in any of his movies. I feel like his best bet if he wanted to do some kind of like Oscar-y drama thing would be to play someone who's sort of like washed up. Yeah, like a you Once know? Upon a Time in Hollywood vibe more than yes. like The Revenant. You know, like I yes. can see I can see him transitioning over there if someone were to give him a shot. But I think it will be a very specific style of role. Because I think he's sort of like, like just with his background, his weird, his weird history, his Scientology, like he's still sort of this like, oh, do we trust him? Is he a good guy? Like Scientology has some pretty bad associations. Like they're, they're not a great thing to be associated with. And he hasn't distanced himself really that much. Is he still like active, active in it and just not talking about it? Or is he not in it anymore that's another question i have <laughs> yeah. but it kind of he gives this vibe where it's like he's the cool dad and you know that he has like some weird beliefs but you just don't ask him about those because you just want to hang out and like hear his cool stories and like that's the vibe i get from tom cruise these see, days <laughs> but like that's not the see that's the vibe i get from brad pitt who i really like <laughs> the vibe i get from tom cruise i feel like is for me more sinister like fake almost like there's a false yes Mm, yes there's like 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 brad pitt is feels to me like your friend's dad who's like you're not 18 but i'll let you have a beer anyways Uh and we'll like sit out (laughs) on the back patio and like shoot the breeze where tom cruise feels a little bit more used car salesman (laughs) yeah i don't know if i'm just i always want to believe the best in people i like and I really do just want to believe he's the guy that they tell stories, like all his co-stars tell stories about. And he Which just is, seems like he's this seems... is wild, Shelby, because <laughs> of all the people who you would hate. I feel like Tom Cruise and no. every character Tom Cruise plays is like Shelby's oh, no, least no, no, favorite no, no, person. No, 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 no. Oh, my I gosh. Love Shelby, Impossible. you and Tom love... Cruise. It's like a Tom Cruise movie. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. And you are sort of the like put together uh, like shrewish boss woman who he's going to charm into bed. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but well, I don't know if it's a. If you're it's the one here desire. on the podcast, you know, like really standing Tom Cruise. I just think, like, listening to Emily Blunt, who I trust and adore, talk about Tom Cruise, I'm like, oh, okay, I get that. But you're more in like the Thaddy Newton court where she told that story about Mission Impossible 2 and how hard he was to work with. And you're like, that's, yes. that's the Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I can, I wouldn't, it's not that I'd be surprised to find out like, okay, maybe he's manufactured some of his charm, but there's a part of me that really wants to believe in his charm because I find it just so, I find him so interesting. Like the fact that he like does these stunts for Mission Impossible and it's so important to him to keep it like real action and not CGI. And he broke his foot and kept running to that make the scene. That just seems douchey to me. <laughs> that feels like I something normally you would hate. I think he loves movies. I think he loves what he does. It's, and I think it's that's like, cool. It's almost method acting. No, it's like it's, getting no, close. No, 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 no. <sighs> method acting is about screwing <sighs> everyone around you to make them miserable, yes. to make you feel special. He he just he just does what he wants. Like he just manages to do these stunts. It doesn't affect his coworkers, you know. I mm, it's okay. not like freaking. <laughs> no, method acting is a different beast, and I'll die on that hill. So up next for Tom Cruise, we have he's going to be in Top Gun, which is filmed, which is done, and we're just yes. waiting for it to come out because of COVID. And then Mission Impossible Seven, which yes. I, has that filmed yet? I feel like I, I, ha- I doubt it. I, I haven't heard anything about it. I, oh no, it's it hasn't, but it's in production now because people okay. were posting videos of him on top of a tree. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that, like, going forward, will he sort of become a like Sylvester Stallone type figure <laughs> who like just does these old man action movies, yeah. or like a Liam Neeson maybe, or do you think that he will? try to make another pivot at some point to something else and if so like what would you suggest for him well i feel like the rumor is there's a second edge of tomorrow right and i'd be down for something like that i i enjoy sort of his sci-fi movies i mean oblivion was really weird to me and i didn't really like it i thought it was too dumb but like i really liked war of the worlds i can still rewatch that one so I loved War of the Worlds, honestly. Yeah, I watched that good. for I hadn't seen it before this That's week. And I Fanning thought one. I thought that was very good. Yeah. And Dakota Fanning's good. Oh yeah, too. no. This was your first time watching. I know. That's what I feel like. It gets a bad rap. And like, yeah, sure, there's problems, but it's ultimately like I feel like a good, suspenseful, interesting story. And I still get chills every time he's in the basement with that crazy guy. And it's just like ugh. It's a stuff. good disaster movie because it it moves through a bunch of set pieces really nicely yeah. where you're getting to see all kinds of different things. That scene where they're all trying to get on the ferry boat, yes. I think, is a really good scene. Um, the scene where, like, the people are running and they're being, like, vaporized. Then mm-hmm. he has the soot mm-hmm. all over him that's mm-hmm. the other people. Like, that's a really good scene. I, I really liked that. And, and I think that that is a movie that is an action movie that is good also because of Tom Cruise where Mm. edge of tomorrow, which is another movie that I love. I constantly forget that Tom Cruise is even in it because the best parts (laughs) of that movie are Emily Blunt. Like when I think of that movie, I think Emily Blunt time loop 
Emily Blunt in the bodysuit. <laughs> I think of the weird no, aliens. Like, he has Tom great Cruise is like Tom Cruise movie. is like seventh build in that movie for no. me of things I remember. He does a lot. They play off of each other so well. That's I'm what like, I love. Who's about the guy? No. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise. <laughs> Could be anyone for yeah. me. So I feel like. I don't know. That's what's interesting about him is because is the best behind Tom Cruise? Probably. I mean, yes. realistically. 100%. It's, it's not like he's been growing as an artist. And I think he's aware of that enough that he's like, fine, I'm just going to do these movies that I love doing. And that happens to be explosive Mission Impossibles and maybe more bankable like paydays like Top Gun. I don't know. <laughs> do you think that Tom Cruise is likable enough? by other people in Hollywood that he would be able to win an Oscar if the opportunity presented oh, himself? I or do you think, think so. that he's sort of like think, dead in the water? Has sailed. I don't mm-hmm. think he, I think he's packed his resume too much at this point. Like similarly with Will Smith, who doesn't have the same talent as Tom Cruise. And I don't think had any similar chance of getting it. But at this point, I don't imagine Hollywood would be like, oh, yes my actor like let us celebrate your work you know (laughs) but you know how I mean again going back to Brad Pitt that it was sort of like this year he had this role that sort of fit him it was a supporting actor role and people were like you know what we we have liked Brad Pitt for 30 years he's done a lot of good work like let's reward him and I and I feel like Will Smith is the same type of person who at like 70 he could be in something as somebody's you know grandpa or something that that's a good role that and people would be like you know what we like will smith like let's give him this trophy but i don't know if there's the if there is the goodwill towards tom cruise and if there ever can be the goodwill towards tom cruise that can make everybody feel good about giving him an oscar like in the back half of his career yeah no i think um yeah i think that's fair (laughs) but i Um, think tom cruise is happy with his with his filmography i don't get the sense that he's angry about it (laughs) i don't feel like he's disappointed by how his life turned out i think he's just that like crazy uncle who's enjoying his uh twilight years you know (laughs) also he has 570 million dollars yeah so So it's like i think yeah i mean he'll be fine (laughs) he will be fine he has two houses in england i don't know why but he does yeah and scientology is probably finding a new girlfriend for him so he has it easy. <laughs> Shelby, if if Scientologists reached out to you and we're no. like, we need you to break up with Rob to no. marry Tom Cruise. No, I'm going to be much honest. Money like, Scientology is a pretty evil industry to me. And um, that is my one qualm with Tom Cruise. And I try not to think about it. But $200 if million. they came out and they were like, we do work with Tom Cruise, I'd be like, oh, you're both canceled. Like, get out of here. I'd, I'd never watch Edge of Tomorrow That's again, a maybe. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a lie, Shelby. <laughs> Tom Cruise is your problematic fave. We found yeah, him. You're right. Yeah, I can't help it. So mine is um Casey Affleck. Yours is Tom Cruise. Oh, mine's way better than yours. Gosh, Casey Affleck. Blech. Let's right, never do an Manchester episode about by him. the sea so much. Well, I would never do an episode <laughs> on him. He has ten movies. Yeah, well, he thinks he's self-important enough that he could. Yeah. I mean, have he a did whole win Best Actor, which uh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> did not. But that's the side of the point. Uh, okay, anything else we before we like wrap up about um, Tom Cruise? No, I really just it was a delight to revisit some of this history, and and it really did color my love of pop culture growing up. So 
I I remember so much about the Surrey years and and the Katie Holmes and the the couch of it all. So he is an iconic figure. I'm yeah. glad that we got to do this, and I'm honestly glad that this was an opportunity to, for me at least to go back and watch a bunch of these old movies that I hadn't seen before, but like <laughs> were in the ether. You know, now I know like you yeah. can't handle the truth. Like yeah. I've seen that movie. Oh yeah, you just haven't so. seen Mission Impossible, but. That's right. fine. Well, what's a quotable line for Mission Impossible? Well, it's it, not every movie has to be quotable. <laughs> well, yeah. I saw two of them. It's close enough. They're the same. Um, anything Shelby to say about the podcast in general now that you're leaving? <laughs> any words of I'm maternal wisdom leaving? for us? Okay. It's not an end. It's just a pause. It's uh, called maternity leave. I'd, I'd respect that you understand that you can't fire me that's illegal right, but we may go in different directions yeah. <laughs> and we may find someone who can replace you you know yeah good luck the scientology um, might send me a new host yeah no i mean i've just it's been such a pleasure honestly like what is this year three of doing this with you who yeah. would have thought mm-hmm. we'd survive this long and now we're uh, reaching the uk and Uruguay and it's really just so fulfilling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ah, I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, it'll be nice to not have to just like scrape around for something to cover and like what? sit through who be yourself. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to that mental break. Um, but as good movies start to come out again, then I'm sure I'll be itching to come back. So I, it won't mm-hmm. be long. Well. Next week is Thanksgiving, so Mm -hmm. we will be off for that, you know, no matter what. And then the following week, I will be back without Shelby with some guest or another talking about something. I have no idea what. Man, this is actually kind of, yeah, Matt without any boundaries. Like, what are you going to choose? Like, what are you going to put people through? It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. Well, at some point, I have a friend who is like a bachelorette blogger who has like several thousand followers. Without so, me. so we'll definitely be doing an episode oh of The Bachelorette. I'm watching so it, Shelby. Cruel. If I'm watching it, I'm talking well, okay. about it. I'm not I'll watching do, this for I'm money. watching it, too. I'll come back for that Shelby, one. Shelby. I'll do it. Do you, you, I have to. Gonna, that season has been you're iconic. You're going to be in the hospital. Okay, we'll see how it goes. I guess this does end like around Christmas, so it depends on when you My do your gosh. episode. Shelby's pretending that she's Keep going on maternity leave. She can't let this out of her clutches. It's the Bachelorette. This is my. Imagine if I was like, "Oh yeah, while you're gone, I'm gonna do an episode on Agent Cody Banks." Like, no uh, big deal. I just I found someone who likes it a little bit. Like, well, that brings that. me to the to the part where we're also doing a special episode on Jurassic Park and also <laughs> one on volcano movies. So those are the episodes yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, amazing. I would love to honestly see you just watch all the volcano or natural disaster no. movies and talk about them. <laughs> Stab me in the face. Start with uh, so anyways, we'll, well, not we. I will be back <laughs> in two weeks, probably I think on Thursday, because I think we're just going to do one episode a week. And <laughs> until then, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You have several weeks to do this now, everybody. You can... Shoot us an email, if especially if you live in another country and we're not going to see your review. Like, yeah. <laughs> email it to us. And you can also follow us on social media at PSU Wrong. I don't know what Shelby will be doing there, but things will be happening, I'm sure. 
Yeah. Or not. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'll be in control. Who knows? We'll see. We'll play it by ear. I'm, I'm in denial about this baby thing. So You know what? Instead of following that, just follow me because oh, I'll yeah. be posting things. So just follow at HuffMath. <laughs> it's yeah, my you, podcast you now. You get some interesting stories about food poisoning. So there's oh, stuff Oh, my gosh. There. Oh my gosh, Shelby. I had <laughs> Thai food and I don't, they I must don't think we need to hear about. I put the, two the out of five spiciness details. and I think that they cooked it in some kind of like chili oil or something. Like it was not normal spicy. My entire mouth and lips and everything was on fire. I was crying. I felt terrible. I felt so <laughs> sick. And then it was pouring rain. I had to run 15 blocks and I had to keep stopping because I was like, if I run, I'm going to be sick. But if I go slow, I'm going to get drenched. A disaster. A disaster. Yeah. Mm. You'll, yeah. Well, you survived and you live to see this day. So I'm happy for you. Happy for the podcast. Happy for Tom Cruise. Okay. Uh, parting words, Shelby. What are you leaving the audience with? Oh, um, I look forward to seeing the numbers drop while I'm gone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, happy birthday, Matt. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, happy birthday to your baby, which oh, will probably yes, have the same yeah. birthday as me. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know if I maybe I'll let you know when that happens. I don't know. You better. Yeah. The people want to know, Shelby. I'll need to announce it. Oh, on right. My new yeah, I forgot about the pisser merchandise. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, goodbye, Shelby, for now. And goodbye, Thank everybody. You. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And I'll be back sometime in December. Bye. Bye.